It's December 25th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome to our holiday episode. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you guys have a nice little break here from work or whatever it may be. I'm your host, Alex Main, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Apostoli Everniatis. We are here to bring you inspiring stories and talk to the Pacers who are making an impact, whether that's professional athletes, political figures, CEOs, authors, running leaders, or as in this week's case, YouTuber. Apostoli, Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas, Alex. I just love the fact that this year, last week was your birthday, today is Christmas, Next week it's New Year's Day. It's just I love this uh, this little streak. Have you been having a good uh, good holiday time? Have a holly jolly birthday week, Christmas. Yeah, it's been it, it's been good. Um, ha- taking some time off here, heading into the new year. So I'm really excited to just kind of wind down and hang out with the family and kind of reflect on 2020 and look forward to 2021. And uh, you guys, I just want to say. We are. We got a great episode for you today, but next week we want to get you guys involved. So I'm going to say this right off the bat. We are looking for you guys to submit your maybe uh, stories from this year. Uh, like, you know, I think 2020 was a crazy year for everyone. So like, what successes did you find in 2020? What kind of hurdles did you overcome? What maybe did you get into running for the first time? Like, we want to hear your stories and we want to share those on next week's episode. So uh, send those to us, creamcitypacers uh, at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, text us, whatever you got to do. There's forms on our website. Just get us your content and we want to share your stories Uh, on next week's episode yeah we'll have a post on facebook and instagram and you can go and respond in that comment there so we'll make it very easy for you anywhere you like send us letters actually you want to give the address we'll give the address to the (laughs) most on 9405 south 27th street franklin wisconsin 53132 will correspond send us a postcard uh we're also doing a giveaway uh as some of you may know cost is a sponsor of our show this month and we're doing a cost headphones giveaway so that will the 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 giveaway instructions will be a part of next week's episode so exciting stuff but i don't want to forget this week's episode and i'm super excited for today's guest Mm -hmm. as i kind of just alluded to today's guest is a youtuber it's jack coin and Jack's, it's a little bit different. He's not from Milwaukee, like, you know, most of our guests are. And you kind of notice we've brought some guests in from out of state. And you know what? That is okay, because we want to bring you guys the best stories and the people in the running scene. And Jack's story that he has to share is is pretty inc- is pretty incredible. And he does have a connection to Wisconsin. He did come here this summer and created a YouTube video uh, about how cheese was made. So... I hope we can talk about that. I want to geek out a little bit about about his experience there. And and he does have a connection to us in a way because unbeknownst to us at the time probably, uh, before we became really good friends, we were watching uh, the videos that he was producing alongside Casey Neistat. Many people know him. Um, he's one of the most famous uh, vloggers out there. And Alex and I, you remember you were... You were a big fan. I was a big fan. We watched these positive videos that Casey would produce every day and pump out about his life. And I think in one of yeah. the, in one of our runs, we 
we, we yeah we found exactly out. so the underlining theme of all us three wise men here on today's episode is, is Casey Neistat so I found Casey Neistat back in 2014 and he was one of the people who really influenced me to be creative and do stuff you know like hey create YouTube videos like I try to create YouTube videos and 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 ultimately like finding Casey helped create this show like I don't think if I would have not found Casey this show would be wow. here and, and Jack and so we'll bring you into this when we started running together you also watched Casey so we started when we started we showed up to OMG together and we started running and when you run the only thing you can do is talk and we found that Casey Neistat was an underlining theme for us so we would geek out about his videos and there's this kid in the back of every video you know his it was a theme in a lot his name's Jack Coyne and Jack was like a studio manager for Casey and he started appearing a lot in his videos and that's how I discovered Jack. And over the years I followed Jack's career on YouTube working with Casey. He helped Casey start um, a technology social media company called Beam, B-E-M-E, if you've ever heard of that. It's, it was it was a really cool version of, you know, like a, a social sharing app where you would just hold the phone up and it would take a video and it would post it. There was no editing. There was no nothing. It was a very raw video and that was supposed to be share your concept of the world. And I started learning more about Jack as he appeared in Casey's videos. And then <clears throat> over the last couple of years, he, he actually got fired from Beam. Um, Beam got bought by CNN, which was incredible. And I think he got fired because they like shut the yeah, app down. Yeah. But being fired, I think you know how the, not the right term is. Being fired is like, yeah, we're just killing the app and, and you're out. But with that, I've started following Jack's YouTube career. And he's over the last few years has really ramped up his content and, and, and the production and what would he and how he tells stories. And alongside with that is Jack has got really into running. And last year he ran his first marathon, which is a really funny story. He had two weeks of training and he ran like a 325. So Apostoli and I are very, very jealous about that. But he started making a lot of videos that resonated with him and telling stories, and running was a central theme of that. So this year, uh, Jack actually did an ultra marathon running around New York, and which is incredible that he ran an ultra marathon. He started making more videos about what it's like running in New York during a pandemic, and I started seeing these. I'm like, wow, like this is really cool, and Jack's really taken up running. And then I see this video of Jack coming to Wisconsin and making a video part of his series of like comfort foods, and it was how cheese was made, and I'm like okay, this is really interesting now. There's a lot more connections here. And that really led us to be like, Jack is probably one of the coolest guys I've never met in my mind. He's down to earth. He's just like the positivity and the way he approaches his work. You can see it in his YouTube videos. It's just it's amazing. And I've always appreciated that. And I'm so we had the opportunity to bring Jack on. And that's why Jack is here. So bringing this all together, that is how Jack Coyne is on today's episode. And Apostoli, is there anything that I missed from that introduction? No, I think we should save some uh, something for Jack to talk about. I'm sure he has a lot <laughs> to talk about. He's and and just calling him a YouTuber, it doesn't do him justice. He is a poly, he's no, a poly, it doesn't. He, it doesn't. He's a polymath of sorts and he's a filmmaker and I can't wait to have this discussion with him. We've been looking forward to this. This has been in yeah, the work for yeah. how long, Alex? It's just a little while, right? It's a while. It's great. And, you know, 
timing. It's perfect. Stuff. It's the Christmas this episode. And this is the week. It's the Christmas episode. Um, but before we get into that, let's uh, let's talk a little. Let's catch up a little bit as we go into the holidays. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go first because I'm on a talking streak right now. So this is really interesting, but I want to hit 1,300 miles for the year. Mm. So on Saturday, I was like, how many miles do I need a day to get to 1,300? Because like... I think it's kind of a lot. And it came out to being like four miles a day for 15 days. And I was like, whoa, who runs four miles a day for seven years? Of course, Tracy Johnson, mm-hmm. past guest of the show. So I've I've never been motivated through a streak. I've done streaks before. But when I realized that, and I'm like, well, if Tracy can do it, I can do it for 10, 15 days, right? I, I have this like new energy to running that I haven't had even throughout training for the marathon this year. And I I don't, I've been trying to figure out how to explain it, but it's like, I want to wake up in the morning and I want to run before I do anything. I haven't had that feeling in year, at least a year. And it's back because like I got to hit 1300 and I usually don't think I'm incentivized by this stuff, like mileage goals or whatever. But for some reason, there's this new energy in me that like I'm waking up and I'm going to go run before I start my day and I'm going to do my four miles. So um, it's going and it's great. And it's I don't know. I feel like I just needed to share that. I'm really giddy about it. Yeah. And who cares what the reason is for you going out there? The fact is that you're going out there. And some people do it to lose weight. Some people do it to get their mind off things. Some people do it so they can get a badge on Strava. Who cares, man? It's you're you're out there and you're doing it. Kudos to you. I'm glad. I, I hope it continues for a long time. And I'm trying to take some photos to get my Strava game up. One more thing: winter running points for OMG. Those winter yes. running points. If you guys know it, if you understand, it's because you're probably a part of it. If you don't understand, it's because you're not in it. So I'm not trying to exclude people, but the Milwaukee Running Group is putting on this winter point system where he's Patrick is getting all these people to run virtually with teams. And then it's created this huge network of people. I was talking to Patrick on Sunday. He's had more people from out of state reach out about like, hey, I used to run with the group. Can I do it virtually? So this literally is becoming an international winter points. Adrian, Adrian, who used to run with us, is in France and wants to be a part of it. So it's truly an international event this winter. So it's pretty cool. Well, I told him, does it have, you have to be in the north, you you need to be in the northern hemisphere in order for it to be a winter running point. So it can't be a completely international because it is somewhere in the bottom of uh, this uh, this mother mother earth. Does California count? Because I know I, you're out there. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> oh, here's the thing. I felt bad because I spent a lot of time. For those that listen a lot, they know that I spent a lot of time in California these days, and I felt bad and i thought it was cheating for me to be running in california and getting winter points and i i reached out to patrick and I said patrick i don't want to i don't want to cheat what do you think of this and he said no no it doesn't it counts i got people in um he mentioned some very warm place i think i think he said india so um i'm clear man Cal- and it's pretty cold actually over here this morning i went out for a run it was 42 degrees it's not it's not oh, like I it's thought- it's not super warm, to be honest. No, I would think California is a little bit warmer leaves, than that. The leaves are falling. It's kind of like fall right now. I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, trying to trying to cope with a lot of things these days, and you know, the end of the year and businesses and all going well. Thank God. But um, yeah, like running has been influenced again. I know people that have been listening to the podcast before. They know that uh, 
you know, we, I, I tend to go off trail a little bit, but I had a great conversation with our coach, Matt Thal from Thunderdome running. And he gave me some insights as to how to get back on because I missed nine days of training and, Ooh. and I said, well, you know what, in order to make up for it, instead of doing the 16 mile run that I was supposed to do, I'm going to go out and do a 20 mile run and kind of make up for, for the laziness, but it just doesn't work out that way. And <laughs> You're setting up for yourself for more and more disappointment. So he said, just go out there and uh, do three milers, do four milers, and and just have that as the goal. Go every day, just do the the bare minimum, and you'll want to get back into it. And I was good, uh, good advice. And that's what I do in my personal and professional life a lot, Alex. I don't know if you do that too, where you know I I haven't caught up on work or. Maybe something's a little bit behind and I say, well, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to create the best ever X, whatever that may be. And it's like, I'm going to release, it's basically like not releasing a few episodes for a few weeks. And we're saying, well, we're going to release an episode that's 10 hours long. It's going to feature 20 of the best guests in the world. And it's like, Dude, you said it straight. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, how about this? How about we jump? Let's bring in Jess and let's talk about uh, winter running gear. And then let's jump into our interview with Jack. How does that sound? Perfect. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Performance Running Outfitters. And as we had on last week, Jess is back with us. Jess, welcome back. And what we're going to talk about today is our essential gear that we need for winter running. So we're all going to go around the horn and we're going to talk about one piece of gear that's essential in our running. So I'll kick it off. The one thing that I think everyone needs in their running attire is a wind jacket or some sort of jacket that protects you from the wind because when you are out there on the trails or in the road and it is blowing and howling with that winter Wisconsin wind, nothing's better than a nice jacket to keep you protected from the wind. It's essential. It's key. And I'm actually going to go to pro and pick up my second. I have one jacket. I'm going to pick up number two after Christmas. So I'm excited for that. All right, Jess, let us hear what your uh, number one piece of running gear is for the winter? Um, I think a buff is really nice because you can wear it so many different ways. So if you don't have one, it's also kind of referred to as a thermal tube, but you can wear it as a face mask these days, which we actually sold out of them before the cold weather hit. Um, you can wear it as a hat, an earband, or a balaclava. It's awesome because you can pull it up, push it down, really keeps the wind off your face. So... And it's essential that you need a mask on. You can just pull it down right over your face if you're running to a friend on the trail and now you have a mask on. Exactly. Or if you have to go into a coffee shop, throw it up. It's perfect. It's perfect. Okay, Apostoli, what is your one gear? One gear? Well, there's a lot of gear. and <laughs> But but one of the things that I've, I've learned this the hard way is not having the right shoes during winter, especially when I'm going out on trails. Uh, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I went out to Grand Canyon, uh, one of the harder trails, and I wore the wrong shoes. And uh, I wish I would have made a stop at Pro and get either some yak tracks or, um, or just better traction trail shoes. And, and be safe because it took me twice as long to to go through that trail so those so we really just covered head to toe buff for your head and your face a jacket for your 
middle body and some shoes. Jess, before we close out, I want to hear, because I've some people have been asking me this question. When do you wear yak tracks and when can you, like, when do you wear trail shoes? I personally like trail shoes better because yak tracks, you kind of have to stay on some sort of ice or slush or snow the whole time or they're kind of annoying. Like if you go on dry pavement and then you hit some ice, then it's dry pavement. I, I find them to be kind of irritating. So I would recommend trail shoes because um, that way you can use them, you know, all year round. Plus they give you the extra, extra traction on the snow and ice. So unless you're on, you know, you're constantly on something that has packed snow or ice, then yak tracks work really well. Nice. So it sounds like yak tracks are good if we get some fresh snow and nothing's been plowed, but otherwise trail shoes are probably pretty good throughout the, throughout the winter. I would agree. All right. So we covered you guys from head to toe. Now you go cover yourself. You can head over to performancerunning.com and use CCP10 at checkout to get 10% off your entire order or head over to their one of five locations in the greater Milwaukee area and tell them that the Cream City Pacer sent you and you'll get 10% off in stores as well. Now let's get into our interview with Jack. Today, we are joined by Jack Coyne, filmmaker, YouTuber, creator, or as Jack simply puts it in his Twitter bio, I make videos. Jack, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. And you're coming to us today from Florida, so a little bit jealous, way warmer than our Wisconsin cold weather we are having. I got a nice little run in, a couple nice runs in so far. I've been here two days, two for two on the running so far. Nice. A little run streak. Is the weather good? It's, uh, it's pretty nice and crispy, like probably 65 to 70 every day. Kind of exactly what you need That's in December. Jealous. I'm jealous. That sounds beautiful. All right. So 2020 has been a crazy year. And from your Strava account, I've seen you run over 1,200 miles, which is incredible. And one thing that sticks out to me from following you is you ran an ultra marathon around Manhattan this year. So first, kudos to that. That's incredible. That's Thank one you. of my goals for 2021 is to do an ultra. But second, you created a YouTube video and you kind of talk about your love for Strava and you helped with your friend of Rich Roll explain Strava compared to other social channels like Facebook and Instagram. And you really, you, you laid it out well. You talked about extremes, how Facebook and Instagram, you know, it's the highs and lows of our life, but that middle is really never talked about. But on Strava... It is what it is. You run, whatever your pace is, whatever it is, you post it out there, right? And it's just kind of like a look into your specific day, whether it's good or bad, it is what it is, no modifying it. And you you give, I really like your take on it. So kind of talk to us about Strava as a social platform. So the promise of social media originally was to capture slices of your life, authentic slices of your life, I think. And share those with your friends and family, people who you aren't necessarily physically with at any given moment. And I think that what truer way than like every day I wake up and I go out and I go for a run and it takes me an hour, an hour of my life, you've seen exactly where I went. You saw sort of maybe what I was listening to, what the weather was, what shoes I was wearing, all these like sort of little indicators that Strava can add into there. Maybe a picture or two from that trip and that to me as a runner as you guys know and a lot of people who listen to this podcast i'm sure know that is a hugely important part of your day and um so you're you've just captured a slice an hour-long slice of your life and then when you do that repeat it over and over again every single day it's like you have this little stamp of something that happened in this moment of time and so for me it's i live in new york usually i'm in new york but sometimes i travel i travel i guess probably more than the average person 
I, um, like I said, I was in Madison pretty recently. And, and when I was there, it was like, there you have another slice of my life. And instead of the map that I'm usually running in New York, it's a little map in a, in a new place. And so it's an authentic piece of your life that's captured, this little timestamp um, that gets repeated over and over again. And, and it sort of paints this picture of a life lived through running that is very authentic and real. You can't fake it. You have to actually go out there and do it for that Strava thing to be captured. Yeah. And, and there's, uh, the map thing was interesting the way you talk about that. And in your video, you did like a quick, like a bunch of photos at once of different screenshots of your run. And all of a sudden it's like, you see it happen over time and it's all your hard work you've put in and you're sharing it with people and it's all people positively liking it and commenting on it. And you're encouraging other people. And it, it can be a beautiful thing in a, in a time of like social networking, right? Where you just say, I had a great day or I had a really terrible day and it, and it is what it is. And one thing you say it is it encourages you to get exercise, which We've talked about this before a little bit where I was like, you know, Strava, sometimes when I look at Strava, I go like, look at all these people running today. I'm not running and get discouraged. Right. But it also does the opposite of what you just, what you said. And it it encourages you to exercise. And I've been looking at it through that lens more lately. And I got to say it works because it's like, look at Apostoli out for his run. I need to go out there because I know I've been slacking today. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that just happened in the last week or two was they released their Spotify, I mean, they're not Spotify, their Strava end of the year uh, awards or whatever they call it, where they show like a snapshot. And the reason I said Spotify is because Spotify has been doing that same thing for a few years, right? And it says you're in the top 2% of Justin Bieber fans and you listen to this many hours of this music. And it's like music is a hugely important part of people's lives. And seeing that is so meaningful as you see all your friends sharing what they listened to and what their number one song was and all these things. It's the same thing with running, right? Like your, your life is so much of your life is lived by through these um, hours of your week that you spend sort of by yourself in isolation, um, getting those, getting those steps in. And it has for, for different people, it means different things. Um, And so that's why it's sort of important for you personally. And then to watch your friends get out there and do it, you kind of can, can give you a little kickstart or maybe some, you have a friend who traveled somewhere who ran somewhere you've always wanted to run and that kind of gets you inspired to get out there. I think that there's so many different like ways and tentacles around it, mm-hmm. but, but it is, uh, it's inspiring to me. It's inspiring to see what you've done yourself and track yourself. It's inspiring to see your friends. And, uh, and I don't know, across the board, I'm like, it fires me up. I, I like that. It fires us up too. So let's talk about the ultra marathon a little bit. You, so this summer, when did you run that? June? That was in June. Yeah. So what, like, give us the backstory of your, like, why am I going to run an ultra marathon when there's no races going on in the middle of the summer? Well, so I was on a uh, running kick, obviously. I'd been on a running kick since all throughout the pandemic and I'd been wanting to sort of get out there with some more people. Obviously, that's hard. You can't do a big race, but I figured I could probably get like two or three other people to come with me and do something. And, and if I said, hey, look at this map of the island of Manhattan. This is an ultra marathon distance, pretty much exactly. And just look how like beautiful and sexy that is to be able to do that. Just that perimeter right there. That's iconic. It looks and, so nice when you outline it. Yeah. Like, it's just like that looks like I got to do it. And the only way to create that outline is to get your feet moving and do it. So I kind of like got a couple of my runner friends inspired to do it through that. And then I think the other piece was it is everyone was pretty um, 
pretty like um, engaged with the protests that were happening at the time and just the sort of general unrest and, and unhappiness with the situation uh, after the George Floyd. Um, and so it, we were able to turn into a fundraiser and build more momentum and excitement. And so we raised a lot of money doing that same run and everyone kind of chipped in and got involved. And so there's a lot of excitement, not only around the people, the few people who are running it and this opportunity to do that, but also the opportunity to look at it as a fundraiser. And then, yeah, separately, I sort of, while we were there, I had a couple of buddies who have cameras and I was like, you want to come out and just ride bikes and shoot with us? And so they filmed it. And then after the fact, I turned it into a video and that's when the whole Strava thing came into the picture because I was sort of thinking about that separately, the social media angle. That That is interesting. I, a couple of things. So we put on a race this summer as well. <laughs> through a with, lot. With, with another group in town, uh, Fear MKE. And they're a group that like encourages people of color to run. So we hooked up and did a race and it was, it was, a, it was a great opportunity to do something virtual. But one thing I think is funny with you New Yorkers, and I'm super jealous of this, is you guys like, oh, hey, I'm going to run. Do you want to come out and film and take photos? And while we were talking, we had Chris Chavez on. And he's like, yeah, you know, we go to Tuesday track at the Brooklyn Track Club. And there's like 20 photographers. And you leave you leave track on a Tuesday with like professional photos of you running that you can just like upload to Strava or Instagram. Where like over here in Milwaukee, I got to like put my phone in a tree to take a selfie on a run. So <laughs> I'm super jealous of, of, the, of you New Yorkers. But how was the run? Like where did you start in New York? So I, I really love New York. I love running around New York when I go, but like, I don't know the whole perimeter. So it seems daunting to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I typically always run. I think that one of the reasons it's easy to get people to take photos of you is because there aren't that many places to run. You can obviously run in the streets and the sidewalks, but it's a little bit sketchy because there's so much traffic and there's so much stop and go and red lights. Uh So what I think a lot of people like to do, people who live in Manhattan, like to either run around Central Park or around the perimeter of the island. People who live in Brooklyn like to run around Prospect Park or they like to sort of run near the water or try and find a place that's like less trafficy. And so I sort of I had this idea of the perimeter. We met um, in, on Houston Street and the east side, which is near where the East River track is, which is where I do a lot of like training and running. There's only so many, there's like, that's the only track I really know of in the city that a lot of people go to. And then there's one in Williamsburg that a lot of people go to. So that's kind of like the two places um, where the Brooklyn and Manhattan people go. So we met sort of near the track on the East River. Started there, went north, went all the way around the perimeter, and then back up and around the bottom. What is it all? Like now I'm getting into like details. Is it busy like that entire way? Because it's the perimeter of New York. So I assume yeah. it's like high traffic the whole time. Or is there like complete dead no, space? So, like, so, I've so, never been here. No, so there's so it's mostly like park. So that's the beauty is like once you get like there's a highway, basically you're in the city and then the outside of the city, there's the east, the like, um, what do they call it? The FDR drive is on the east side yeah. and the Hudson River Parkway is sort of on the west side. And then on the outside of that is like a greenway. And so the greenway happens throughout the most of the whole perimeter. And there's a small spot in Harlem where you have to cross in and you're like actually in the city in the streets. But for the most part, you stay on this sort of greenway park that happens pretty much continuously throughout the whole city. And parts of that are like pretty iconic where you would where you'd be running and you'll see like the bridges and all that stuff, that Brooklyn Bridge and all that stuff that's pretty famous. Or you'll be up on the Upper East Side where like maybe you've seen like in Woody Allen movies, he'll be like, they'll shoot scenes up there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or if you're on the West Side, um, kind of going down, looking over New Jersey, there's a lot of familiar sort of sites um, 
along the way. But for the most part, it's Greenway, and it's most famous, I guess, for just being a running place. Like, that's what people do over there is they run or they walk, and you get to be near the water, so it's super peaceful. Obviously, Manhattan is an island, so being next to the water the whole time. Jack, you, you grew up in New York, right? You, you're an actual New Yorker. Yeah. I, was, I actually lived in New York for three years. I know it takes five years to call yourself a New Yorker, so I can't call myself that, right? <laughs> is that but, the barometer? I, I guess. That's what they always told me. Maybe it's because I, think it's I wasn't whatever part of is the in group. Here. Whatever is in, in your heart. <laughs> Apostoli, you can say you're a New Yorker if you want to. Uh, so I'm th- three-fifths New Yorker, and, I'm, and I see the videos that you put up of what it's like running in the city right now. And it's surreal. I mean, you're putting up the boarding, the boarded up stores, yep. the the empty streets and, and areas that were, you could not, you hated people after walking through Times Square, basically, right? You're like, yeah. I don't want to see another person for the next day. Uh, now it's just empty. How is that for you that, that's been living there all your life? 100%. I mean, this whole year for everyone has been like surreal for so many reasons. But New York City is a place where that's, the reason it's what it is is because your proximity to other people, I think, is what makes it so special. People from all walks of life, people from all over the world are everywhere around you at all times. And so it can be stressful, but that's also like the rat race that makes it exciting. <laughs> and there was a moment in time this year from March through probably June where things got really, really, really quiet and people were either left the city or they stayed home or, you know, they just were not out and about in the way that you would typically expect in New York. And I'm turning 30 in like two weeks. And so in 30 years, I've never seen the city not be super busy and hectic and crazy. And for like those few months, it was just dead quiet. And so, yeah, you're referring to this Times Square scene. Like, I, obviously, like you, you, typically you don't run in the streets. You could run in the middle of the street. There were no cars anywhere. The only time it was similar to that, sort of, was like literally on 9-11. Um, kind of traffic stopped and things got quiet. But there were a lot of people like walking sort of around and trying to figure out what was going on. But this was just like zombie land. Um, you know that Will Smith movie, I Am Legend? It's like that. Yeah, like he's yeah. literally the only guy. Like That's the premise of the movie. He's the only guy in New York. That's like very much what it felt like. You would be running for several blocks in the middle of what would typically be a busy street, and it was just nobody was around. So like, the feeling was just surreal. And it's surreal because it's my backyard, and it's where I grew up, and I've never seen it like that. But I think it's surreal because this place, New York, everyone who's visited there who knows it is like, oh, my God, there's people everywhere. And at that time, there was just like nobody and so it was, it was scary and sad, but at the same time, it was like this runner's paradise or playground in a way because you could go places. Like I ran the Brooklyn Bridge at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday one day, or, and there was, I was literally the only guy on the Brooklyn Bridge, which is like, how do you, if you go there any other time, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people taking pictures. And I had the whole thing to myself. So it was weirdly magical. That is so unreal. I mean, I seeing the footage in your videos. There's just no one on those streets. And the Brooklyn Bridge, that's just crazy. Because the few times I've been there, you can hardly walk on it. There's so many people. And you have the whole thing to yourself. That's just bonkers. So, I mean, hopefully that we don't have to experience that again. But it's kind of cool that you got to experience that. Well, and like yeah, I can that. tell you it's back. People, people are back. <laughs> People are back people in, are uh, back. Not, not what it was, but people are back, definitely back in the streets. And so this, the streets are alive again in New York City. Well, that, I guess that's, that's somewhat of a good thing. So obviously, let's take it back to that first marathon. I'll let you an- ask this question. 
and we'll take it back to running real quick but since you talked about what this COVID times have been like for you you made a video called the worst and best year of my life was 2019 right basically yeah for listeners that haven't looked into this they uh, basically your, your father was diagnosed and lost his life uh, during that during that year i mean there's nothing worse than that being socially distant from your friends and all the inconveniences that we have right now that doesn't matter compared to losing you know one of the biggest figures in your life how did that prepare you for this new year where everybody is out there complaining about the littlest thing whether it's wearing a mask into a store or not being able to go for uh, for a workout at the gym and now having to run or something like that. So totally. how has that set up the, the stage for you? Yeah, well, it's a really interesting and poignant question. And I think it's has been hugely impactful on me in this like most recent year. Because it when something like that happens, it really puts things in perspective in your life in a way that like, you know, I think this this happens a few times throughout your life when these big monumental things happen where um, something truly like per- intensely personal can really shift the direction that you're headed in or just shift your ideas about the relationships of who's important in your life or what you want to be or what you want to dedicate your time to. Um, and that's one of those things. And um, it's a really sad thing and tragic thing, but it can also have a profoundly positive impact on your life and on your perspective on what's important. And so for me, that meant like recentering and figuring out, you know, how do I want to focus my energy and focus my time? And what are some lessons that I, that my father imparted on me, things that he wished he had done differently in his life? Because that's what you talk about kind of in those last few weeks and months is like, well, how would I have done things differently? Or how would I change this? And kind of what were some mistakes I made or what were some things that I did really right? And so, you know, you realize like that this is what's important is like the people that are closest to you, your loved ones, your family, your closest friends, and sort of making sure that you can try and have a positive impact on the world in some way, I think. That was sort of what what was my learning. And so we went through this and then you go through this kind of like time of like trying to heal and move forward. And then basically a year later, we started like literally a year later was when the pandemic hit in. And so I was at the time when I was kind of coming back and feeling like, okay, I've had a year of like healing and moving forward and I feel really positive about the direction that I want to apply myself in. And then this thing happens where the world, I kind of get shook off its axis. And now everyone's dealing with this like sort of trauma, right? Of what do I do? I can't go to school. I can't go to work. I can't go here. This part of my life sucks. This is a problem. This is a problem. There's all these things that are adding up. But so many of those things are sort of just little inconveniences. And it's like, what do, you, what do you still have? Do you still have your people that are closest to you? Do you still have access to a job or food or a place to live? And what about people who don't have those things? Is there a way for you to help them? And so I think it's just when you have something that so profoundly impacts your life in a personal level, it shakes you into like a sort of realization that like these are all like little inconveniences, really, you know, for the most part, you can kind of figure out a way to move forward. There are people, hundreds of thousands of people who are losing their lives right now. So I was thinking about right away, I was thinking about this person's father died, this person's mother died through this disease, and and they're not going to get to spend time with them in the last few months of their life like I was able to. They're going to be separated. One of my really good friends, his father got COVID at the very beginning. He was in the hospital for six weeks and died, and they never got to see each other. You know what I mean? And so, and I could relate to him because I had lost my father a year earlier. But I couldn't relate to him because I got to be with my dad. 
And so instead of, I think, I just think it, I don't know, I don't really have a specific answer, but I think it really just helps you sort of put things in perspective and prepares you for what that, how important and meaningful and big that sense of loss is. And at the same time, it says, this is important, this is a big, meaningful thing, and it's going to help you move in the right direction. And then these little things, like having to social distance, or you can't go out to a bar, or you can't go to a baseball game, or whatever, that don't matter, you know, that you'll get over that eventually. Help, and it kind of helps ground you in what's really important. Can you have the phone call with your friend and talk to them? Can you, do you have a relationship with someone that's really loving and caring that's going to survive this? Um, and so, yeah, I, I entered in this year of, of like feeling like I had this intense period of learning and, and weirdly prepared for it. And so I was able to focus on my work and not worry about the distractions of the news and of not being able to go this place and this place. And so I guess I'm kind of like all over the place, but I think may, hopefully that answers a little bit of, of, of your question. It does. And it raises a lot, many more questions I can tell in Alex's face that he has a lot to ask. But uh, I, I want to thank you before we follow up because it takes a lot of courage to share these things uh jack and in your medium which is youtube and social right it is part of the social grouping of um, outlets out there you tend to see only the good times and only the the good news and people don't share their their worst moments so we appreciate them and because we've been going through that a lot too uh i personally had a few things to happen in my life some diagnosis thankfully nothing happened but it was shook me up enough um that you you realize what what's truly important so thank you for doing that yeah and i think that i, I appreciate it you're welcome my guests and i think that what it what it makes me realize is someone who tells stories and makes youtube videos about my life is like what's more important the lessons that i learned from like dealing with this situation with my father or like going on a trip, like drinking with some friends in like Costa Rica or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, which is a really more important, what, what did I learn more from? And then hopefully what can I, what, I just want to teach, give my audience, pass some of that on, I guess. And so they're going to learn a lot more from a story that had a much bigger impact on my life. Yeah, I think so. And, and and that stuff's harder to talk about, right? The complaining on high level stuff is, is, is easy to do and more socially acceptable. Like, oh, I can't go to the bar with you guys. Like, this sucks, right? When yeah. really it's like, hey, we're all still here and all together via phone call or a Zoom hangout, whatever everyone's doing. And, and it's tough to look at that way. But you know, especially you, when you create and you bring that out there, you're, you're telling the world that like, it's okay for us, for you to be thinking this, and this is what I went through and this is what I've learned. Right. And it helps other people see that that's, that's okay. And that to do stuff, think that way. Right. I think so much of the mainstream media hides that stuff and it's really hard for then people to really showcase their feelings that way. Right. Cause that's not, that's not the norm. And, and, and so I, I appreciate your story and I know you have a video out there, so you guys should go check that out. Um, I kind of want to talk about, you know, with your father's passing and, you know, you're kind of jumping into the YouTube world more than ever. And like where, what, why in the last year, like what's really happened for, for you to kind of take this to the next level? Because you've produced a lot of videos. You've done a lot of different like food series, which actually brought you to Wisconsin, which as well, that was the Madison reference before. So kind of talk us through like what was your decision to really go all in on this and how kind of how has it been? So I've always liked making videos. Like since I was in high school, I still like making videos. 
and I had like a sort of like long and winding career of doing various different jobs that were all tangential to like myself making YouTube videos. And then I got this break in 2018 where I got fired from my job and made a video called I Got Fired that went viral. That was like, Went okay, viral? Yeah. How many yeah, views did it have? Viral. Like 2 million views. Crazy. Very quickly. So then I got all these subscribers. So it was like, Jack, here's a career as a YouTuber on a silver platter. But I didn't know what to talk about because I wasn't really planning on being a YouTuber at that time. So all of a sudden it's like, here you go. It's teed up for you. Go. And so I just started making videos about anything. I was like, you know, and that's sort of the advice that I got from other people who are in YouTube. Just make videos and it, you'll figure the rest out. And I, was, I started making videos about literally anything that was going on in my life. Oh, I'm traveling. I'm going here. I'm going on this road trip. I'm going to this country. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I had this time in my life where I was, where I was free because I had, we had sold this company. I got a bunch of equity money from that. So I didn't, and I was, had severance from getting fired. So I didn't really have to work. <laughs> So I got to do kind of whatever I wanted to do. So I was like, oh, I'm going to travel here. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I was making videos about these things. But the videos didn't mean anything, really. They were just a day in the life and hopefully you like it. And I think that after a while, I became unfulfilled from that. And then it was really through growing up, through my father's passing, through the pandemic happening, through spending more time sort of trying to be introspective, reading, running, meditation sort of just like a lot more like just overall introspection that I realized okay wait I do have ideas that I think are bigger than just here's like a little trip and here's a video about this that I wanted to start to talk about so I started to try and think about videos as not a career not a job as like truly going back to my passion and if I'm going to make these I want these videos to be like me asking and answering questions that are genuinely like interesting and important to myself and so once I sort of like took off this burden of like trying to worry about the subscribers and the viewers and all this other stuff and just said Jack what's a question that's interesting to you can you answer that question in a video that's when I sort of felt like this creative freedom and like weight off my shoulders and I said you know that's what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna spend the next year or two years or the rest of my life thinking as okay you know I could really dig into that topic so what I do and what I've been doing for the last two year or two years is living my life as someone who tries to be very curious about things, tries to think about the world in terms of questions that I have. Could I, could I ask this question in a video and try and answer it in some format and relate that, that to these other experiences that I'm having and so that there's hopefully a little bit more depth in the stories that I'm telling. And in doing that, I feel like I've created work that doesn't get that, much, that many views but I'm much more happy and excited about and has opened a lot of other doors for me in a lot of other ways. Um, and really, ultimately, most importantly, brought me a deep sense of satisfaction and gratitude with what I get to do every day. And so that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I like it. And I, from watching your channel kind of evolve, you know, a lot of the stuff you were doing, like traveling stuff was like, that's always cool to watch, right? Yeah, like, fun. Super fun. Like, look at all this stuff that, like, Jack's done and is doing. And it's, like, super cool to watch, right? Uh, that, that stuff's, like, super popular, the vlog stuff. But, like, what you've done recently is so good and in-depth. And Abba Soli and I were talking before this, like, I think some of the videos. And it's, like, the I'll go back to the ultra marathon video. Like, it's it's you're running, right? But you're telling the story through its different chapters, but it's like you're bringing up Strava, you're bringing up these different things, and it's like a holistic, you're, you're walking away from that, having some feeling and learning something, and you can apply it to your life. So 
it, it definitely is shown as it showed and i and i think it's incredible so kudos to those keep it up thank you well and i think as you get older that you draw more and more connections in your life that's, between that's, the things you realize what's what are the things that are important to you and you realize oh this thing is connected to this thing is connected to this thing and the running is connected to the videos and this way and this way and this way and social media yeah, yeah. and so all these aspects of your life kind of start to gel for you and then it, it becomes about how can i turn these all these things that i realize there are connections into these like little stories and, and, it, so. and it clicks so going back to you know you kind of you said you had youtube teed up for you but to do something like that and like you said you got fired but like it, it takes a lot to like push away fear and push away failure and launch into this right and and i think you might have kind of answered this saying like i wasn't doing it for the money i'm looking for you know what can i make purposeful content but like was it a big step for you to like take that leap and do it because are you talking to people starting a business, whatever it may be? It take like, right. It takes a lot of courage, and you have to overcome a lot of these things. Did you did you kind of deal with that, or did you kind of did it just make sense to you like this? It's all here. Let's do it. Yeah, no, I mean, there's been a couple times where I have felt like uh, there maybe there's some sense of courage where I feel like ah, oh, like maybe this isn't working. I should get a traditional job doing something else. <laughs> I'm gonna go broke or whatever. But I think for the most part, I haven't had that because nice. I am someone who has kind of always naturally said, I'm going to forge my own path and sort of listen to my gut instincts as much as possible and just like let things like happen. I've always been pretty comfortable as someone who has said, <clears throat> okay, like let's let life come and I'll just go from jump from this stone to the next one to the next one to the next one and let it happen. Do you think that's um, something that's learned? Sorry to cut you off. Is that something that's learned? Like, do you think from all your experiences that like in the people you've worked with that they live that type of lifestyle that helped you with it? Or is it like just like a part of you? What is both. your take on that? It's both. I think that to a, to a large extent, you have to be born with it. This this like sort of like a form of self-confidence. And then cool. also the people around you have to instill that in you to a large extent from, from a really young age, right? Like I've always had like parents and family members and teachers who have said like, you can do whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. My whole life, you can do whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. You can... And then as I got older and went into working, I, I worked around people who did things their own way, who said, I'm just gonna do my own thing. And I think if you're never around people who are starting their own businesses, who are taking a leap of faith, you don't really see the path, you don't see how it's possible. But I got to spend like the early part of my career working for Casey Neistat, another big runner and, and YouTuber. And I watched him as someone who's like, wait, how are you making this work? This business doesn't make sense. But I got to actually run the business, right? And see the checks coming in and the checks going out and pay the rent. And how do we do this in times when money was low and times when money was high and just see like sort of how you can make the operation just work, even when it feels like it might not, even when I could see him being nervous about maybe things not working out, just this blind faith that it will, because you're sort of sticking to this like plan and this instinct that you have. Yeah, so, him amongst many other people in my life who have, who have done the similar things. Yeah, I think that's, that, that is big. I've, I'm starting to learn that more myself, is like the people around you are helping shape the decisions you make and, are, and the kind of who you are, right? And I, I feel like I'm a little late to that party compared to a lot of people, but it's that, that's starting to hit home for me. It was interesting you bring up Casey because he's one of the bigger YouTubers. Um, yeah, and working with him, you probably, I mean, you saw it firsthand. You were, you were a, part, a part of that. So like being in that YouTube world, 
did you like not only with Casey, but like the connections you've had with, with other people, do, do they have that same like viewpoint of YouTube of, of do, are they battling for numbers or are they kind of trying to just like, okay, the, how can I make content that I feel like is good for the world and is like telling stuff or is, do people just kind of get lost as they get bigger and bigger into the like numbers game? I don't think that I wouldn't characterize it as getting lost. I think that some people do get lost in a numbers game. Some people go into YouTube thinking of it as a game to begin with. Think of it mm. as this as this business that can be won and operated. I think that a huge amount of people do that. And they say, if I could just find a niche, I could just build and build and build and turn this into a business that's wildly successful. A lot of my friends who are big YouTubers have, they love making videos for sure and they're passionate about it. But they also have this like idea in their head, like these really business oriented people who say, you know, if I do this, I'm going to optimize this part. I'm going to optimize this. I'm going to optimize this. And they talk to me, oh, are you optimizing your thumbnails for this? Are you optimizing? <laughs> and it's like, I don't care about that stuff. So that's not what I'm going to worry about. You know what I mean? And that's not what's important to me because for me, it's not necessarily a business thing. Mm-hmm. But you guys, it's great that you do that. And it's, it is inspirational to see people who do do that. Because I think that same lesson can be carried throughout all different aspects of, of your life and work life. And there are ways to optimize things throughout your life to be more successful. Whether it's on YouTube or whether it's at your job or whether it's running or whatever it is that you want to do. And so I don't fault them at all. But I do see myself as pretty unique in not trying to go down this path of like creating the numbers. And sort of having like the opposite like mm-hmm. path on YouTube where I've like gone down this different direction you know the things that you're saying right now because alex and i were we were fanboys of casey neistat a few years ago when he was doing the daily vlog before he stopped and then uh so by the way probably a lot of the things that were produced were your production and one of the things that casey talks about is um he says that all his life people told him you can't and now you're saying that or your life, people told you, you can do anything. And it's a very interesting, you know, you're comparing yourself to what what Casey was doing and what other YouTubers are doing. That's a very interesting thing. And it's kind of reminded me of this conversation that I've been listening to a few times because just everything that comes out of that man seems to be golden. Is uh, Jim Collins. Uh, he's a big writer, a good to great, uh, too big to fail. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of books where he researches big companies. Yeah. And one of the things he says is, don't try to be interesting, be interested. And, and you're just echoing so much of that attitude, which I appreciate. Not that there's anything wrong with trying to be interesting because there's a lot to be gained to that if that's what you're going for. I mean, I can probably like still speak to like something. One of the things that you said early on is that I like how uh, Casey was, was do what you can't like do you can't do this, you can't do this. In my biography, he was like you can do this and you can do this, and that I think is just speaks to our personal histories and what our lives were like, right? And so Casey grew up in a in a small town outside of privilege, outside of wealth, mm-hmm. outside of you know was lived in a trailer park, had a kid at sixteen and fifteen, didn't finish high school. Like his biography is the biography of someone who says, you're a loser, you can't do anything. And so that's going to have a huge impact on him. Mine is, I grew up in New York City. I went to a private school. 
like I had everything teed up for me my whole life, right? So I was given this like golden ticket and opportunity. So I think that really like mm. when you have that for the first 18 years or 16 years or 18 years or 20 years or whatever of your life, how things are going to be for you, it really is going to shape you in a dramatically different way. And then for us to come together at, when I am 18 and start working for him and sort of recognizing some of his lessons with the things that I learned along the way and trying to marry those two, I think for me has been hugely valuable and influential in my life. But I never was, I never grew up with this like feeling of like I don't have access to things. I felt like, I mean, I grew up with, we talked about this before, I grew up in New York City. I grew up with the world at my fingertips, right? And so that's going to inform a lot of what I, what I do or what I feel that I'm capable of. That was very well put. Can we bring it back to running? Because we, <laughs> we're we going deep here and we could keep going deep. Dude, I love that stuff though. I know we geek out sometimes a little too much, but I think I think it's important. And I think, you know, we're talking YouTube and Jack, we're talking about your life, but this this always resonates, right? I mean, everyone listening right now is tying this back to something in themselves. And that's one of my favorite things to do. So I like to, to get that out of people and then let, you know, our listeners right now, you guys are tying this back to your own situation. And I think that's great. They're on their run right now too, just going, just vibing, just listening to the podcast, just thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I'll take it. That's it, that's it. When you're when you're on a run and you got a podcast, and you're doesn't stuck, matter. You're stuck with it. Like, uh, what else am I going to do? Talk to the trees? Like, nah, you got to listen to us. Yeah, let's make it. sure this doesn't turn out into a twenty miler for for the people listening. Uh, <laughs> no, Jack, uh, just to, because you seem to have such a positive attitude about things, not the positive like think positive type of uh, crap that we had back in the eighties. We're talking about actual like stoic style positivity. This is, I'm kind of selfishly asking this question. How do you deal with all these ups and downs in your life? And how does it affect your running? How do, how do these ups and downs affect your running? From the big ones, like your father's passing, to the little ones, like uh, something didn't work out, or a plane, um, you missed a flight, or anything. Like I tend to, I run a business, and I constantly have issues that pop up and it messes up my training. It messes up my, my flow and, I'm, and I'll go on these big breaks. So, so selfishly asking, also for our listeners, I'm sure they can get a lot out of this, but how, does, how do you stay in that groove to, to train well or do you? Well, there's so many different like angle directions and places I can go. First of all, I feel like it running is an optimization in your life that makes things easier, that makes your business easier, that helps put things in perspective. If you have the opportunity to run to carve out an hour in a day, it helps solve those problems that you have in your business. It helps you think through issues that you're having. For me, is if I'm coming up with a video idea, it helps me think through a video idea, and I can come back start writing in my notebook, oh, this, I want to do this. It's like, this is the connection here. It's an incredible place to think. So your point on stoicism, it's like there's no better opportunity in my life to think about everything, right, than running because you don't have, you can't look at your phone, you can't do anything. At the same time, you are sort of, it's a form of meditation because you're forcing yourself to breathe in and out and that sort of keeps, like there's, so everything about it sort of triggers like brain function and helps you think about things. Um, and then after that, you maybe you have the runner's high, or even if it's a subtle runner's high, or something that kind of lasts for throughout the day, that's like this caffeine sort of rush that helps you have a sense of calm and a feeling of, okay, I've tired out my body, now my mind can go to work. And it sort of helps create this space for doing meaningful work in your work life after you've come back for your run. Um, 
in terms of just general positivity, I think that I am luckily just a person who's naturally positive. I don't suffer from mental health issues, which I know a lot of people do, whether they can help those or not. And I think that, you know, running is another thing that helps me sort of keep those things in perspective and keep a good, clear conscious and mental health. And like, if I do feel like I'm having trouble with something, running helps with that. But I also really try and put things in perspective in terms of the entire world, in terms of the entire history of the world, right? How intensely lucky I am. And so when I hear complaints about things, it's like, is this a complaint or is this inconsequential relative to a person who's in a different country who has nothing right now, or a person who was in a different, who was born in a different time who has nothing right now? I think ultimately you just have to remind yourself that you won the birth lottery just being born in the year 2020 in the United States of America, where what are your problems really? Are your problems not putting food on the table? Are your problems that you're starving or that you're really sick with something? All these things are out of your control. Um, or are they like sort of problems that are like kind of like up here that you're creating for yourself? You know what I mean? Like if you're alive, that solves a lot of your problems. If you're physically in good shape, that solves a lot of your problems. And being in physically good shape and being able to run are connected to each other. And so it's like one of them is a reminder of the other one. And so if you are in physically good shape, you should take advantage of it and you should run a lot. And if you can run a lot, you're going to continue to be in physically good shape. And that sort of becomes this self-fulfilling thing to a large extent. So I see it as this like sort of big, massive web. I know it's like really expansive and all over the place, but I think your body <laughs> and your mind are connected and rooted in the earth. And the earth is this, has this empowerment powerful force and energy and being able to run every day and exude yourself physically and breathe connects you to the earth and that your connection to the earth and to the people around you is much more important and profound than any little problem that can happen in, in your life that's due to our society and culture and some bullshit or looking at your phone or getting likes on your thing or having getting fired from your job or whatever you know what i mean and so being able to eat being able to live and have shelter and run and move have this physical connection to the earth, I think is the most powerful, important thing. And keeping that in perspective makes everything else chill and easy. How often do you run? Five, six days a week. It's, so that's basically your, your main meditative practice. And then in addition to other things? Um, and then sometimes like... So what I'll do is like breathing exercises. Sometimes they're very small, limited. But if I'm feeling tired... I'll just do like some breathing like through one nose and out the other for like two or three minutes. And that sort of helps like bring so a lot you, of energy. So you just close your nostril basically? You, yeah. In through the right, out through the left. And if you, if you feel like you're over-energized and you need to go they to sleep. The other way around. Other way around. Yeah, they yeah. say that. Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic breathing, I guess it's called. Do you and do HR? Like, Sorry, uh, you've heard it. Go ahead. It's just, I mean, that's really like powerful and works like crazy well it's like it's I've like when you're doing yoga and you can't do it and you can't do something and they're like just breathe just remember to breathe and you're like shut up <laughs> but it's like it actually is like so like much that simple is like if you can connect to your breathing it can have a huge impact on your life which is sound like a crazy guru but it's, no but but that's the thing it's it, gurus have been talking about this for centuries but now neuroscience is backing all this stuff up with the nostrils i'm sure somebody did a research the research so how many minutes on each nose? It's each like, nostril. So, so you can like go like this, put your fingers on your, your 
pointer and your middle finger on your forehead and then you have these this your thumb and your this one and you go in like two seconds hold it for two seconds close both and then out for two seconds close it hold for two seconds in for two seconds hold it and just kind of do that and you do the whole thing within two minutes you'll feel like an insane like change in your and you can keep it going and you it clears your head and it clears your mind and well yeah. that that's incredible i'm going to add that to my yeah, ayurvedic ayurvedic breathing i think it's called cool i i need to check that out because i'm i've heard more and more people doing like practicing breathing but have not tried it myself and it's something i've been interested in so now this has piqued my interest and i need to go check it out and when run, i do it when i'm running to not that but if i'm having trouble getting through a mile or something I'll just short in and then hard out, short in, hard out, and I'll really intensely focus on my breathing, and all of a sudden my legs don't hurt, and I'm flying again, and I'm good to go. Yeah, that I do the in and then in through the nose, and then like yeah. out through the mouth, and yeah. that that if you're ever struggling, just do that, and you yeah. just like it resets you. It's yeah. perfect. Nice. Look at this. We're like breathing experts now. I like it. All right. Hey, before we get out of here, I want, I want to talk about your trip to Madison. So you came to Madison this summer to do a food, like a, a comfort food and talk about how cheese was made. So how was your trip to Wisconsin? You were in Madison for the most part. Give us the rundown. What, what a beautiful state, first of all. And I God think bless. that, um, I'm at like 45, maybe of the 50 states. I'm pretty close to getting, going to getting to all 50 Nice. Um, and, and you realize how different they all are and culturally how different they all are. And what's beautiful about Madison is this is the cream city. Pacers. Like, because, yeah. because cream, because of, because of cows, because of, is that where it comes from? It could, it could, or be is it from beer? We'll, we'll is it from the so, cream on beer? So in Milwaukee, um, the buildings were made of cream brick because of what they could dig from the ground. So if you come, when you come to Milwaukee, we'll show you all of downtown, like the old downtown is all is just cream color. city brick. So it's color, it's cream brick. So that's but it really doesn't have anything city. to do with dairy, cream well, and dairy. they called it cream city because of the, I think it all relates back, but, back but, to but the dairy. But connected. the cream, they say the cream, I mean, they'll say that, but it's like, we got the cream, we got the beer, we got we got it all. So it's like, just bring it all in. Okay, so I say that to say that it's, it's, it's amazing to see a place where a state where so much of the culture is centered around a connection to the earth and to the land and that's what makes the cows so beautiful is these beautiful pastures and fields of green it's the reason that switzerland is like as beautiful where they have the sound of music wisconsin is like the sound of music of like the u.s it's like it really is like rolling hills and beautiful and these amazing incredible animals and really delicious food and so uh, that was really what my experience of it was, was, was people, you know, you feel like people are more grounded when they have a closer connection to things that they're eating and are, that are going into their body. And I felt like that was true. Like even people who don't work in the dairy industry have a much better sense of, okay, here's animals. This is how that works. When you're in New York City, everyone's like, I don't know where the food comes from. Who knows? It's from some factory. And that's bad. Like we should all have a much closer relationship to the stuff that goes into our bodies and the food that we're eating. Well, Jack, we appreciate that. That was very kind. Before we go, we're going to do our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions, but we're going to kind of tweak them to New York a little bit. So what's your favorite route to run in New York City? Like around the bottom of the island of Manhattan from like my house east side all the way back around the bottom tip up the west side back over. Cool. How far is that? 
it's about eight my eight to ten, depending on like if I can make some stops or not. All right. So if you're coming, if we're coming from Milwaukee, and you tell someone to do that run, what's like the best place to stop for an Instagram for a Strava photo? Um, there's so many good spots underneath the bridges. Underneath the Williamsburg Bridge is pretty iconic with the arches, but underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, Manhattan Bridge, there's so many spots that are so dope. There it is. Okay, if you could bring one person to run with you in New York City, who would it be? Oh my God, this is so hard. Who would it be? Someone like, oh God. I'm thinking like musician or, I, okay, what about like Brad Pitt? He'd yeah. be interesting guy to talk to. Yeah, it would be so sick to be running with him. Everyone <laughs> looking at you guys like, wait, is that Brad Pitt? Uh, who's who's the other with? guy? <laughs> well, what, why Brad Pitt? Can we ask you why? He's one. I mean, he's one of my favorite actors. He just like seems like a cool guy. So would you? Would you like take him through like? Would you take him through like Central Park? Would you kind of flaunt it a little bit, or like what would you do? No, keep it low key. Keep it low key. Keep it low key. I I would also have him like have a hat on. Like I'd want it to be like just for me. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want other people to notice. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe one or two people, but I'd be like wear a mask. Keep the hat low. Check this out, Brad. This is, I love this spot, Brad. Look at this over here. Look at this. Brad, we got to take a photo Brad. over here, Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be all these selfies, and then people after the fact would be like, you went running with Brad. Be like, yep. We should actually, We got. you got to now, you have to make this a reality. And I have no connections to Brad Pitt, but I'll help you create the YouTube video for it. Okay, running with Brad. He's probably <laughs> right, cool. down. Yeah, he'd be down. I mean, it, it, you're okay if you go to where he is, right? You'll be, yeah, you make yeah. a compromise. It's just boring. He probably lives in like LA, like in the hills. It's boring running there. No one wants to run those hills. That sounds miserable. Okay. What's your favorite pre-race pump up song? Oh, it changes so much all the time. I mean, I love listening to classic rock though. Like Rolling Stones are like a go-to jumping Jack flash. It's probably a good one. Cool. As our listeners know, every week Apostoli is a big musician guy, so he tweaks our intro to favorite pre-race pump-up song. So this one should be good. Relevant. Jumping Jay, it is good. Okay, Apostoli, I'll let you take this because I don't want to take your question. Yeah, we talked about, uh, we always ask about books that have helped you with, with running and with possibly getting your mind like focused. Um and you talked about how it's your cure to distractions on one of your videos. Uh, distractions being social media, your phone. So what are your videos? That, that video is from 2018, I want to say. Uh, so what yeah. is what, what, what books would you recommend right now or what books have made the biggest impact? Yeah, I'm, in, uh, I'm in the process. I'm almost done with this book called Hidden Valley Road, which I think is relevant to this podcast because it's about mental health it's about this family um that was growing up all the kids were born in the 40s 50s and 60s a family of 12 kids and six of the six of the 12 kids were schizophrenic and so it's this like study of schizophrenia and also the history of this like family um and sort of just a general history of mental health um but it was like it just came out in the last year. It's like one of the top ten books of the year. A lot of people have like written about it and talked about it. But really, really, really interesting. Really interesting book. Not not fiction. This is nonfiction. No, it's nonfiction. Yeah, it's nonfiction. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. All right. What's your favorite piece of running gear? I think that it 
always probably comes down to shoes because if you have a comfortable pair of shoes like everything else falls into place and that's like that's how I got into it originally was like just started getting like different pairs of shoes I was like oh running's actually easier because I have these new shoes that are make it more fun <laughs> yeah it's people, always more fun when you have a fresh pair of kicks right oh and you look good too that's so but cool. once you get better you realize like wow I gotta get a good shirt because otherwise my nips are gonna fall off I gotta get the <laughs> I gotta get the dry fit <laughs> I gotta get some like nice shorts otherwise like I'm gonna have problems down there you gotta start getting you just start adding more and more gear as time goes on yeah sneaks fresh sneakers fresh sneaks but it's true though because the far with the more you start running the farther you start running and then you're like <clears throat> you get like chafish between the legs and all of a sudden you run 12 miles and you're like why are my nipples falling off my body and bleeding and you're like oh put one that's because i'm wearing all right what is one piece of advice you want to pass on to new runners um take your time to start slow you know you don't have to like i think sometimes new runners try and run too fast early on Go nice and slow, slower than you think you should for the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then you can start going faster if you feel good after that. But don't come out of the gates too hot. Everyone makes that mistake. I make that mistake once or twice a week at least. I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it happens, and then it sucks if you really have to get a long run or some sort of hard workout in, but I'll take that. So... I, I want to ask, say how people can find you, but I want to talk about this partnership you have with Braid right now. So I'll let you explain that and then kind of let our listeners know how they can kind of get in on that. So Braid is a startup, a fintech startup that I've been working with for, we've been talking for like over a year at this point about ideas, marketing ideas. Um, so I do some consulting work for them and make some videos and stuff for them. But um, Braid is a, uh, basically it's a group bank account. So if you want to start a project with a couple friends, you can sign up for Braid. You get a little debit card in the mail and you have a group account for all your expenses. So you can both throw in a hundred bucks and then you have an account with 200 bucks in there that you can spend on whatever you want. So as part of this um, cooperation that I'm doing with them, I've been given, they've given me a thousand dollars a week to give away. So if you sign up for the app, and you apply with some idea or tell us like what your group project is, your idea for a small business is, I can give you $1,000, fund your project, help work with you on that project to sort of help make your dreams become a reality. And so this has been going on for three months now. We've given away $13,000, funded 13 different projects as of the end of this year. And then starting in January 2021, we're going to keep it going, $1,000 a week to different group projects. So creative projects or nonprofit ideas or mutual aid projects or sort of any idea that you have with a couple friends that you want to get off the ground, sign up for Braid. You can uh, watch my YouTube video about this. I'm giving away $1,000 a week and learn more about it and apply for the funds and tell us your project idea. And I'd love to back you if it's a good idea. Sweet. And then where do people, what's the website for that? So you can do braid.co slash BBB, backed by Braid. Um, you can also go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jackcoin, and there is a video in there. You'll see where I'm giving away money, and, uh, and you can learn more about the project there, and you can, there's an application there as well. Sweet. Sweet. I think that was super cool when I found out about that. Maybe we'll have to submit an idea apostoli, but I don't know if we'll get it. We'll you get. should. 
Sweet. We're, we're in. And then I also maybe plug this for you. So you are you have a workshop where we can learn how to create films like you and edit like you. And that's on Shop Moment. Um, so let's hear about that for a second, because I, I recently found out about that and thought that was really cool. Yeah. So I got the opportunity this summer in July, in June to go to um, Seattle to shoot with the Moment film group um, and make a little a little uh, educational piece. And they said, Jack, we'd love you to talk about editing. And so I made a, it's basically like a 40, 45 minute long course on editing, but it's everything that I learned in film school, plus everything that I learned since I've been in film school. So it's like film analysis, how editing works in traditional Hollywood movies, how it works in YouTube movies, how I use editing techniques. It's not like the, what buttons to press on the computer. It's more like the theory behind Mm -hmm. editing. And it was really, really fun to make. And I think it's on sale right now. If you want to check it out, it's a pretty cool course. How so. mu- it's pretty affordable. How much? How much does it cost? It's only like twenty bucks. You, you got like That's I easy. watched it. It's it's. I'm definitely signing up because it's well. A your promo video sells it in itself. But if you watch any of your vid- if you guys are new to Jack, go watch his videos and you totally. If you if this interests you, you want to be a part of it. But okay. Otherwise, from that, where can people find you and follow you specifically? youtube.com slash jack coin you can follow me on instagram twitter at jackie jcky coin and then most importantly my favorite social media platform strava baby jack coin bring it back just, to the just, start just google me and then whatever interests you whatever platforms you're on you'll see boom 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 select what you like <laughs> and i'll see you there that's the best answer. Just Google me and whatever you like, follow. Like that's that's the best answer so far to that. So you you win that. You win that. Cool. Well, Jack, this has been an awesome interview. It's been great talking to you and getting to know you. We're excited to watch your career grow on YouTube and we're really excited to have you to Milwaukee so we can experience all the different types of cream we offer. I can't, especially that running cream, that lactic acid buildup cream in your legs after we get some miles in. Well, we got you. We got you. Cool. Well, enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk to you soon. Thank you guys. Happy holidays. It's all about perspective, Apostoli. Jack put it really well to end the show, but what an amazing conversation. Jack, thanks for being on again. We appreciate you. And yeah, I... That's a good theme of the episode. And the way Jack opened up about how, you know, his father's passing in the last two years have really shaped him. I think we can all walk away saying that, like, I've complained this year because of the pandemic. Like, I can't do this. I can't do that. And just focusing on small things that are, like, really not worth it in the grand scheme of things and focusing on what really matters and how to weave that in your life and what you're doing in work or with your family or whatever it is. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway that I just got out of this conversation. Yeah, I'd say that and I mean, so many things. <laughs> I could tell many times we were like, what else can we ask? Because we can go on for another two hours. I know we say that all the time, but truly, I can't wait to see what Jack is going to come up with in the next few years. Um, a lot of great things, not just in terms of uh, you know the caliber and how how big they can get. It just seems like he's all about quality, and he's like a he's like a little a little uh, wise man in the making. I think it's it's hard to see somebody you know our age as a wise man, but he's definitely on on track, and it's great to associate with somebody like that. Now, and health first, of course, right? He says that a lot in his visit videos that. You gotta have health. If you don't have health, nothing else is gonna come out. So we wish you 
Jack, great health and to everybody out there. Everyone. Yeah, everyone. Great health. Good health. Keep it up. I think that was, Jack really put it great at the end there, of like bringing it all together with running and everything. But like the more healthy you are, you know, the better you can make your life. And I think we all understand as runners and whatever athletes, whatever you're into being an athlete, like a good foundation sets you up for success. So let's go. Uh, Also, don't forget, head over to performancerunning.com where you can get all your running gear for the winter. Use CCP10 at checkout to get 10% off your entire order or hit up one of their five uh, store locations throughout the greater Milwaukee area and tell them that you are using the Cream City Pacers discount to get 10% off in stores as well. Yeah, you heard it from Jack. You got to have the good gear. So you got to have the go good get shoes. Go get that dry fit. Go get that cool looking gear because you, de- you deserve it. You're a runner now. I tell you what, I am looking forward to buying some trail shoes and I want trail shoes to run in the snow and I want a new jacket. Uh, like a winter jacket. So. Foldable? Is the foldable one? I, I, I don't know. Packable? I'm going to go to Pro um, after Christmas and I'm going to do some shopping for myself. Hopefully Santa treats me well and I get a couple a couple, uh, a couple, checks from, from someone in the family. <laughs> I could go buy running stuff. There, <laughs> it's there like I'm go. 31 years old and I'm like, can I still get $20 from my aunt so I can buy stuff? <laughs> uh, the kid in me will never go away. But anyways... Um, We want to feature you guys on the show next week. I brought it up in the beginning of the episode, and I'm going to bring it up again now. Share us your story. Share us your success. Share the biggest hurdle you overcame in 2020. We want to hear about it, and we want to share it on next week's episode. Um, Don't forget to sign up for our email newsletter. Head over to creamcitypacers.com forward slash newsletter and join over um, the huge, I mean, we have a huge following now. Doesn't that sound cool? We have a huge following, like whatever that means. Join it. We send these out. They're great emails. Uh, I enjoy putting them together for you guys. Abasoli and I enjoy putting them together for you guys. And uh, yeah, they're really fun. There's usually good stuff in it. Uh, what else you got here, Apostole? Uh, we also love putting together the pre-race pump-up song playlist on Spotify. So you can, if you follow the newsletter, there is a link in there to that amazing playlist that you can start your day with, start your race with, your virtual race. And it's also going to feature Jumping Jack Flash, the, today's answer to that question. And don't forget... We greatly appreciate it if you headed over to our social pages, gave us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and it would mean a lot to us if you told one person you think would appreciate the show to give it a listen. And if you have not, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and leave us a five-star comment. Until next Friday, until next year, keep on running.